Welcome to the Quaredev Midcast with your host, Adam Matwatch. Welcome everybody on our fourth Midcast, which will be, I think, the most crowded when it goes to the great guests, because today we have um, uh, great authors of a book um, about uh, DevOps and quality engineering, which uh, I personally started reading. I must admit, I haven't read it uh, all. Uh, I focus on the topics that I think are most touching my, my field. And I believe that's even the, your intention, at least from the beginning of the book, which I have, uh, which I started reading. But I believe that this is, uh, and this is really honestly, uh, I think it's one of the best books about the um, uh, quality engineering and the quality itself. So I can highly recommend it. And it makes me even more excited that I have you here, guys. So uh, let me welcome um, our guest today, uh, Rick Marcellis, uh, as a principal quality consultant with a broad experience in quality engineering and testing. Welcome, Rick. We have also Dennis Gertz, which is a system architect who has support many teams in delivering systems that fit the stakeholders' need. Welcome, Dennis. Baron Van, and I'm sorry, I will not pronounce your name, but when it will be your your turn, uh, I think you, you, you can do this uh, for, for yourself. Sorry, Baron, um, I'm Polish and my, uh, my um, um, other languages skills are maybe not the best. Uh, but Baron is an ex, uh, experienced uh, backend developer with a strong drive to build uh, it right the first time. Uh, task delivery quality, and I love that um, uh, this is your um, your uh, drive, uh, Baron. And normally I would say, okay, guys, the floor is yours. But today I would like to start with one of the questions that I have from one of the participants. And before we go into why you wrote the book, what's interesting in the book, what we can find there, and what's in it for us, right? So what's the meat of it? I would like to start with a question. Uh, describe the DevOps in a few words. If it's even possible, who who is it, or it should be probably what is it, Rick? Could you do that? Yeah. Um, well, DevOps uh, has many definitions. Eh? There's many books and websites and whatever all about DevOps. So when we were writing our book, we were struggling how to define it. And then uh, to us, DevOps mainly is a cross-functional systems engineering culture. So, and these terms will come back during this whole meetcast, eh? but it's about cross-functional teams, it's about uh, engineering, and it is mainly a culture because DevOps is a way of working together. Um, and this culture is supported by an agile mindset. So the agile manifesto is uh, uh, very relevant. And uh, you can, uh, yeah, fill it in using a Scrum framework. So DevOps is a culture, Agile is a mindset, and Scrum is a framework that you could use within that. Although you could also use other approaches within DevOps and Agile. And DevOps is often depicted with an infinity loop, and I hope you can now see uh, the picture on the screen. Um, and in the DevOps infinity loop, you see the fundamental DevOps activities. But for this moment, I won't go into the details yet because this was just the first question. So uh, back to you, Adam. 
Okay, thank you. I think that's uh, really got this good description, and especially that you have leveled it up, right? So we start we start with the culture, and we end up with the frameworks that supply the the culture and the mindset that we have. Mm, yeah, that's uh, that. I think it uh, should be um, sufficient uh, for that. So let's now jump into your book. How your book and the thesis and the informations there, how do you think how this fits into the picture that you uh, just described, the picture of what DevOps is and the DevOps culture? When I were reading it, I have seen uh, a lot of um, details, uh, even details what to do on a daily basis in your organization uh, to apply to the DevOps culture. So um, how did you guys um, start with the idea for this book? Well, I think... Can you, yeah, you can hear me. I think it's uh, it's important first to uh, describe what are the the day to day challenges and demands uh, that we are facing as IT people that are delivering an IT system. Uh, and well, every day when I go to my customer, or currently I stay at home, uh, the business wants every day wants uh, a new business value. So our our main demand is is adding business value every day, um, and that at a high speed every day, every day. Uh, but if you want to deliver at a high speed uh, and maintain quality, uh, you will have to do some uh, some measures. Eh? You have to uh, adapt your process, uh, and I think uh, DevOps is a way to adapt of uh, is an adaptation of the process that uh, facilitates uh, quality at speed. Um, so the challenges are uh, to um, to embed quality engineering in your whole team. So in the whole infinity loop we saw from uh, Rick, um, and to integrate. Um, uh, so and that means that everybody is responsible uh, from the from the beginning of the process to, till the end of the process. Uh, so and that means that everybody is is responsible and that you need to integrate that quality mindset and quality engineering in the whole. Uh, uh, process and team and think that is a real challenge um, so and that's also what we see in the book now uh, and that's also the why we uh, wrote the book um, we are focusing on high performance uh, quality engineering with the whole team and we also uh, see a lot of uh, a continuous everything and so if it is continuous delivery deployment integration continuous testing we do everything continuous. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Um, Rick, Berend, would you like to add something? Yeah, a little bit to what Dennis was saying. He describes that the whole team is responsible. And when you hear it for the first time, it sounds really easy. And yeah, we are doing that all the time. But when you look at teams, or at least the teams, the projects where I participated in, I think almost all the team members are busy with quality, uh, at least on their own little uh, small island. So the developer is busy with quality on the development, a tester tests the product. Uh, but that's not what Dennis was uh, meant to say. The idea is that you are if you are responsible as a team, as yeah, as one team. So it's not my responsibility as a developer to do the development, to, uh, building quality there, but also what the tester is doing and help each other and step out of your own uh, comfort zone, step out of your island and take the team responsibility. You are one. 
And I think that is the only way uh, to work when you really want to deliver quality for your customer. I'm glad that you're saying that, Baron, and that you're tackling that topic. And also glad that Rick is sharing right now the, the picture of uh, Dev sitting next to BA, sitting next to Ops, sitting next to Test, right? Like, and you described that idea at the beginning of your book. And I'm glad that you're speaking about this because I have a question to that. I have read many books about agility. I've been on many conferences about agility. I know the agile culture from the from the roots, right? The DevOps, not so much, but thanks to your book, I also can see a lot of parallels between these two. And in all of these places, there is always this mentioning that the whole team is responsible for the product. The whole team is responsible for the happy customer. The whole team is responsible for the quality of that product and so on and so forth. And it also implies that the whole team should be able to do all the tasks, at least to some degree, right? To some level. That, uh, and how to translate that into the reality because um, in especially in complicated big projects where you have a specialized uh, ux designer you have ui designer you have um, tester a developer of front end development of back developer of back end and so on and all of these guys know their tools know their craft so front end developer know javascript html um, ui designer know how to use photoshop and whatever software they're, they're using, right? So everybody is having their own silo. So from one's perspective, uh, agility, um, DevOps say, okay, everybody should be able to replace anybody else if they will disappear, right? That's that's like, like basis when we see that the whole team is responsible. But at the same time, I could not imagine, for example, um, tester knowing how to use Photoshop to create the UI for the app or the UI designer know how to program in C Sharp to develop the backend, right? So how do you deal with, with um, this hard situation and hard, hard reality with uh, needs of specialists, need experts that focus on, have a laser focus on something? Yeah, well, the, the idea that we uh, describe in our book is that you have a cross-functional team and that means that together the team takes responsibility and therefore the team members must understand what other team members are doing. So uh, in this picture, you see uh, the business analyst role, the development role, the operations role, the testing role, and there may be other roles. Um, and, no, and these are roles, not functions. So everybody in the team is allowed to pick up any task that they are able to do. And an example that I like to give is suppose, uh, like you say, there may be a front-end developer who has made uh, a piece of the system. And then let's say the operation person does some testing. So there is somebody with a, back, a big operations background, but currently he put, takes the role of tester and then he finds a problem and it's a minor problem. And then the operation person is able to fix the problem himself. So nobody in the team has a monopoly on specific tasks but of course if a new java framework has to be built probably somebody with a large testing background like myself is not the best choice in the team to create quality on the other hand if the people closely work together they can ask what i often call the so-called silly questions because sometimes i just ask why would you do it this way? And then Berend or Dennis reply to me, 
well, we always do it this way. And say, yeah, but is this the best way? And then they start thinking. And just by me asking the question, they make a better solution. So that's how you work together. And probably they want to add something. Yes, I think it's even broader than that, Rick. Um, also, for example, if I write some unit tests as a developer, I do it with from a developer's perspective. And it would be really interesting to discuss my tests with a tester because uh, he looks at, at, at my unit test from a different perspective so we can learn from each other. He can probably give me better test scenarios or I can help, I can help him uh, with a technical automation of his tests. And then slowly, yeah, your skill set grows broader than it is now. Uh, so it's not only responsibility, you're helping each other, learning from each other, just like it is in a sports team, I guess. Yeah. If I play at a soccer field uh, on the midfield and the defender is gone, I run that way and I do what I can to help it, to help my team there. When he's back, I go back to my own job. It's just a team effort. I yeah. love that metaphor, Berend, but I have a follow-up question. I was working in a team with developers and I was the only tester in that team. And at some point, um, we were um, discussing the on Agile workshops, um, we were discussing the ideas of this T-shaped skill that everybody is able to do everything at least to some level. Because, for example, you are able to test as a developer. You are able to do that, right? But when I tackled that, uh, that issue with my developers that, uh, okay, guys, when we have a backlog of things and in the backlog we have uh, too much to test and I'm not able to handle it myself, then I would expect that based that this is the responsibility of the whole team, that you guys will also test that. And they, as a developers, were not so keen to say, oh, yeah, but maybe that's not the best idea. You are the expert. What? would be your recommendations, Beren, to motivate developers uh, into that the testing and the quality and especially the, the, the testing as an activity is also their responsibility. In, so, the, de in, the, in the DevOps organization, that's the, the issue here, right? Everybody should be responsible for all the tasks that we have. I would focus on the thing that, on the question, what the developers like. And that I think that there are two, two things. One, one of them is problem solving. And the other thing is building new, exciting stuff. Now, what if you just build, give it to your test colleague, uh, you want to build new stuff, you get it back. And then you start ping-ponging the whole time. And instead of building new stuff, you're fixing your old stuff. So, so if you start testing your stuff uh, on the first time directly and testing it directly as well, you can focus on the things you like. And that's from a developer's perspective. So you can build new stuff instead of fixing your old stuff. So, um, the other hand, I think writing good tests is almost the same as writing good software. There are the same principles. It's maybe the same difficulty. You have to think about how to set it up, how to write it, how to maintain it. So it's just a change in mindset. Don't think, oh, I have to test, but see it as something you do on a day-by-day -day basis. You're building something. So I think that can help as well. Does that answer your question? I think yes, it helps a little bit. Um, uh, so we tackled the issue of uh, what DevOps is, the DevOps culture. Um, and uh, since that's the main focus of your book, uh, I have one question from Alicia. I think it's uh, a suitable place to, to ask it um, because then we'll get back on track of uh, your book and the thesis that you have in it uh, to, to, to explore it even more. 
the question is, there are a few books about DevOps. I would say that there are a lot of books about DevOps. Uh, what is unique about your book, right? What do you think, what would you say that, that makes your book different than the others, right? Uh, what we can find in it. Well, sh shall I start? Um, yeah. What is, uh, in our opinion, unique about our book is that we focus on uh, how to deal with quality engineering in the new modern world. Uh, because actually this book is part of a series of book, that we call it TMAP, that's our body of knowledge. And TMAP started in 1995. So this year we celebrated 25 years of TMAP. And 25 years ago, it was just about testing. And often testing was done at the end and everybody was complaining that testing delayed projects because they found problems and then they had to be fixed. So nobody was happy with testing. And actually that was not an ideal situation. And now that we have Agile and especially DevOps, we need to deliver at speed. And the only way to deliver quality at speed is to start with quality early. And that was one of the interesting discussions that Berend and Dennis and Wouter and I had when writing the book, because I come from a te testing and quality uh, background, but Berend and Dennis come from a development background. And one of the, uh, initially I was making, uh, or I, I had a plan of making another book about testing and Berend and Dennis said, yeah, but testing, well, we, we don't care much about testing. And then we got to talk about quality and they said, yeah, well, quality is very important. And that made the switch for us that it is about quality engineering and that's where the whole team should focus. So what we did is we took a look at a lot of other things about DevOps. For example, I, I'll, I'll show it on the camera. We, the, we looked at the uh, DevOps handbook, which is one of the many books about DevOps, but there's not too much about quality engineering there. And actually, the authors of that book agree because one of the authors, being Patrick Dubois, he wrote a foreword in our book where he, uh, well, is very enthusiastic about the way that we add this quality perspective to DevOps. So, well, probably, Berend, Dennis, you would like to add something? Sorry, but I agree that it uh, that that adds the uh, is the added value that we uh, add the quality engineering in the whole. Uh, life cycle of an IT project. So also the ops guys uh, are um, facilitated with this book uh, and the, the development guys and of course uh, the, the quality engineering people, uh, yeah, the traditional testers, how do you say? Yeah. So we, we, um, we help them all. And that's, I think, uh, the idea of the book. Eh? You can uh, read the chapters you like eh? or the chapters that are interesting now for your current uh, working situation or your uh, task you, had to, you need to do, uh, read that chapter about that topic. Uh, so it is not a book that you read from cover to cover, but uh, mix and match what you need. Um, okay. Um, thank you guys uh, then uh, for um, uh, this answer. And uh, then we can now get back to um, the content of it and uh, the, the main ideas that stand behind it. We know what DevOps is. Uh, so would you like to uh, elaborate or describe it even in even more, right? What we can uh, do with uh, the things we, we with the DevOps culture, right? What is missing in the current organizations uh, from the DevOps culture? 
But would you then allow me uh, to start with explaining the so-called voice model that we introduce in the book? Because I think that's a nice start and then to elaborate further on. Well, I'll try to share the voice model now. Can you see it? Okay. Um, so when we started off with this new book, we also realized that today business people don't ask for computer solutions. Business people simply accept the fact that computers and IT systems are necessary, so they want business value. So therefore we said, let's take business value as the starting point for IT delivery. And then the first thing you need to define is what exactly is the business value that you want to deliver. Then within the scope of IT delivery, uh, first you think about the objectives that IT should be uh, meeting. <clears throat> and then you want to measure if we are meeting indeed these objectives. And that is measured by indicators. And measuring these indicators is actually testing. And this measuring of indicators supplies information and the information is used by stakeholders to support the confidence that the pursued value will be achieved. And as soon as you have enough confidence, then you put the IT system live and then the business people or maybe the clients or the customers, they experience the real value. And based on that, they get ideas for new value and extra enhancement of value. So therefore we have this value improvement loop. So this voice model applies to how do we actually deliver business value with IT and this value improvement loop may be uh, uh, gone through several times per day. Uh, if you do DevOps in a Kanban style, you may add little pieces of value multiple times per day. But the same model also applies to uh, Scrum, where you have sprints, for example, two weeks, or traditional IT, where it may be months or even longer. And one of the good things of such a model is that it helps you if you are making a transition from original to new, eh? because for many companies, DevOps is still a new thing. So therefore, we started off with business value as the ultimate goal. And then using this model, you know how to monitor whether you get towards your goal. And, and as you know, monitoring is an important thing in DevOps. So uh, this model helped us a lot in defining how to approach quality in DevOps, but actually it also helps in other uh, IT delivery models. And I why is it called the voice model? Well, uh, value, objectives, indicators, confidence, and experience The first letters are uh, voice, so that's uh, why we call it the voice model. I think that's a really good insight that you focus in the in this um, in the DevOps on the whole process because what most people um, have uh, have in mind when they think about DevOps is a guy that set up the CI in our in our team. And that's all, right? That's the DevOps guy. We, we, have, a, we have hired a DevOps and he will uh, configure Jenkins for us, right? And yeah, that's it. But the, the DevOps is the whole process from the beginning, from the idea that to, to add some value to the very end. And so the moment when it adds to the production and configuring the CI might help that, right? Because we have like the automated some processes. 
but uh, but it's not like the um, end um, end goal that we want to have. We don't want to have the CI. We want to have the the value added constantly to our product, right? Maybe Dennis, would you like to go into a little bit of uh, the CI uh, the CICD pipeline? Because uh, uh, as Adam was indicating, often when we talk about DevOps, people immediately think about pipelines. So let's pick up that yeah. topic, uh, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll find the picture of that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Rick, I think that you also, uh, you showed in the beginning the, the, uh, our infinity loop of DevOps. Uh, yeah. And I think that we need to tell a little bit more about that DevOps loop okay, we well, have. No, but uh, let's, go, yeah. No, go ahead. Ah, okay. Well, uh, here you see uh, our our uh, um, infinity loop, our infinity DevOps loop, uh, and uh, in all the DevOps loops you find you find on the internet, you see um, uh, seven uh, activities, uh, and we have only six. Uh, and of course, I can ask, and you can type in the chat which one uh, you miss. We miss a really important step, and that is the test activity but what we our philosophy is and what we believe is that testing is not a separate activity which follows um, along the way um, to another step so it is not something that you only do when you are integrating or deploying now testing and quality is a, is an activity you do along the complete endless loop so you you embed it in all your steps um, so that is special about this loop. And of course, um, yeah, there are a lot of organizations yeah, and we are now talking about DevOps, but um, yeah, there are organizations that are doing this DevOps, this uh, DevSecOps, and all those uh, flavors of DevOps um, you can see in this loop. Yeah? So you can add your own uh, step or embed your own uh, extra activity in all those steps because uh, yeah, when i talk about security you don't only apply security uh, during code or during deployment you think about security in all your steps okay can, uh, rick oh do you want to ask something no no okay uh, uh, then rick, i have uh, a question how do you start with applying all of that right because when you i i get back i will get back to the the, the my idea previously yeah. that when you want to have a devops then you hire devops guys and he sets up the ci that's easy right but that's not the thing we want to apply the whole the whole devops culture we want to change how the organization operates how do you start um uh, with that okay yeah uh well i'm a, i'm an architect um so i uh, I'm mostly uh, involved in the in the planning. Well, I'm involved in all steps, but mostly involved in the in the planning phase. So it is my duty to uh, to embed all those non-functional requirements. Uh, and you can also see security and testing uh, or quality engineering as a functional requirements. But uh, there are a lot of non-functional requirements to embed those uh, in my design. Um, uh, which is going to the developer and the and the other team members. Um, so, but how do you do it? Yeah, I write it down and I talk a lot about all those non-functional uh, stuff, yeah? like uh, uh, security, uh, about scalability. Yeah? So, these are really, well, 
that, that are death topics, uh, fault tolerance. Um, uh, so that is my duty. So I see it as, as, as a duty of the architect uh, and the lead developer to um, to never lose those uh, aspects of your uh, application. And of course, not all applications need those uh, requirements. Rick, do you have something to add on that one? How do you normally embed it in your process? Uh, yeah, Dennis, well, in the meantime, I thought, let's look up the picture of the uh, non-functionals, but uh, I wasn't fast enough. Um, if, if you want to uh, really do DevOps, then it's not, the, the first thing you do is not hire a guy that builds a pipeline. Uh, so if you want to do DevOps, the first thing you do is think about what culture you would like and what is your current culture and how to get there. And one of the most important things is uh, collaboration between people. So, so therefore, for example, in our book, we have a, uh, a full chapter about personal skills, interpersonal skills and team skills, because people need to work more closely together than they are often used to. And, and that's also why in this nice picture of the infinity loop, we, we put in these people who are busy uh, together in making uh, DevOps work because since it's a culture, it is about people and not about tools or pipelines or uh, whatever. Um, and of course, this this movement was already started when the agile uh, movement uh, came up. Um, but it's taken to the next level by also including operations people. Um, on the other hand, also teams often struggle. And one of the things we realize in, in uh, well, we re realized it in our day-to-day -day business and therefore we put it in a book is especially the uh, cross-team things that are happening because teams often have a focus of their own scope, but the only way to really deliver business value is if, if all the bits and pieces together form a proper business process and then deliver business value. So also the overarching things are very important. And I think somewhere during this uh, uh, talk, we will go into our so-called uh, quality engineering topics, but I wouldn't like to dive into it right now, but that's probably uh, a thing. Uh, uh, I think we can do that in a moment because I have one question from the Slido that fits uh, perfectly and, uh, your answer. Because as I understand correctly, it's similarly to applying the agility. When I have to have an agile culture, I need to, well, see what culture I have now, what culture should be the desired one, and, and see how to get from point A to point B by some kind of probably workshops uh, with the guys, some kind of training, and then uh, showing that this is the culture we want to achieve after some time. So the same goes for the DevOps. I, um, if I understand it correctly, guys, right? Yeah. So the question I have from the Slido is from the uh, Hone, uh, is what is the definition of successful team in DevOps culture? Uh, is the team successful if the infinite loop is automated, implemented, or there are other parameters? I think it's a really good question because when do you know that we have achieved the, the success and we have the DevOps culture uh, right now? 
we started this thing that we want to deliver the right quality uh, on time at the right time. So, and that's also when when it's when we are when it's a success. I think when you as a team or we as a team are able to deliver the right uh, on time the expected quality. Uh, that that for me is the goal. Uh, what we want to achieve. We can all we can discuss about uh, implementing a pipeline, but that's not a goal on itself. That's just a, a tool to help us to deliver quality in time. And the tool should understand, uh, do you say that, help us to do that and not a goal in itself. Yeah, but I, I would challenge you, Baron, because when you say that your criteria of success would be delivering on time, then you can also do that in waterfall. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you can deliver on time I, in waterfall. I, you, it is possible. It's it's I, low probability, but it's possible. I disagree. Of course, the, there is a purpose for the pipeline. Because to get on speed, you want to automate as much as possible. Not uh, when I commit something, I want to get directly feedback. So to get the feedback, I need to build. I need to do some certain steps to test to deploy. And, I, and all those steps, I get feedback. And that feed, uh, the sooner the feedback is there, the, uh, the earlier in the process I can fix it. So all those steps help me to deliver on the quality, the expected quality on time. So now we're getting to something uh, because uh, you mentioned at least two things that I think could be a KPI. So first, uh, automate whatever you can, uh, as I understood correctly. And second thing would be quick uh, feedback loops. Right. So when you achieve quick feedback loops and automate whatever it can be, that's a good direction for DevOps, right? Uh, automate whatever you need, I think, because sometimes you can automate much more, um, but it, there has to be a purpose for it. Automating itself should not be the goal. So why do I need to automate this? Is that helping me to achieve the right quality on the right time? If that answer is yes, automate it if it's possible. Yeah. Uh, when I say uh, automate whenever you can, uh, what I mean, I should probably elaborate when I, when I say it, uh, what I mean is that to automate the things that are waste to us right now, because, for example, I don't know, to developers, most probably writing documentation is a waste to some degree. But when you automate, for example, generating uh, documentation from your code, that's a value, right? That's an added value because you have it documented in a way and you automated something that in the past was a waste, right? So uh, in, in this sense, uh, automating whatever we can. Well, I, I, a... if, if I may, uh, Adam, I, I yeah. think your example is very interesting, but uh, as, as you imply, a lot of developers don't like to document that much, but uh, instead of automating it, what I have learned from Berend and Dennis is the approaches that you treat documentation the same as software so you put your documentation on github as well and and just take it in your whole development cycle as one of the deliverables and make sure that your documentation is on the same configuration management tool as all the rest so that it bothers people as little as possible and of course i have learned over the years like the agile manifesto says uh, that you need to document only what is needed. So no unnecessary documentation, but I also have learned that often a bit of documentation is very handy. True. But I, I like to add, eh, because you, we were, the, the question was originally 
what is in successful DevOps culture? Uh, what for me also a, a successful DevOps culture is is when the uh, the team wants to uh, improve themselves. So then they have the right mindset uh, to achieve every day or every sprint or every deployment to uh, achieve a better uh, product, but also a better uh, developer or tester or bis, uh, business analyst. Uh, and, and also I like to see in, an, in a team that they are willing to communicate open if they can uh, point each other on some uh, deficiencies that yeah that I would like, and then for me uh, we have also a uh, successful part of of DevOps. And so uh, and when we talk about the CI/CD, I think when you uh, are when you are also are successful in CI/CD when you have only a part of your CI/CD pipeline. If you have a fully uh, CI in place eh, with the building. Uh, a unit test, a sonar testing, then you are way uh, ahead of a lot of companies. Eh? I, I know now not a lot of companies that have the full CI/CD pipeline completely in place with every step automated. There are very little companies. Eh? Yeah, we also know uh, the the Netflix, eh? but not every company is a Netflix. Yeah, I heard also uh, about Amazon that their uh, every commit yeah. is actually is going directly to production, right? Something like that. Yeah. So, but they probably have a very good quality uh, control, and they have millions of unit tests or end-to-end tests running um, before it goes to production. Uh, okay, and uh, Rick has showed a uh, display displays a picture on the on screen and i will describe the picture a little bit uh what we see here is um a, a devops or oh, sorry a, a ci cd pipeline and it of course it consists of two stages the ci part and the cd part um and uh, it is uh three stages for the ci part the source stage the build stage and the team test stage um uh, and thereafter, you see that we are going to deploy for the business test stage. The business test stage is, is performed. Uh, of course, thereafter, we are going to deploy for the production stage. And thereafter, we go to production. And uh, all those steps have a, a pipe uh, to the bottom. And there it is the continuous monitoring and continuous feedback. And I think the feedback is really important. Eh? And what we are seeing is kind of that we are pumping around business value through the pipe. Uh, so every stage is delivering metrics and is improving the product, the team, um, and the, the development process. I think that is really important. And of course, we like to see to automate everything eh? uh, and not automate uh, the test, but also automate your deployment. Eh? Because uh, today we see a lot of uh, infrastructure as code. And that is also code. So we need to test also the infrastructure as code, eh? the templates we run on AWS on, on, or on Azure. Um, yeah, we treat it similar as source code, which is run on production. So let me get this straight if I understand it correctly. Uh, so in the DevOps, in the, uh, in the successful DevOps culture, uh, it's not necessarily that we automate all of the steps that you mentioned uh, a moment ago. It's just at least if we consider these steps in our process and try to automate, of course, obviously, 
as much as possible not to waste time to do it manually. But when you, we at least consider the CI pipeline, the CD pipelines, so all the source stage, build stage, team stage, deploy stage, business test stage, and so on, if we consider that in our process and we implement it in a way that it's the most efficient way, then we could say that we are heading into the direction of our good DevOps culture. Is yes, yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, because I what I wanted to uh, add is that in the beginning, you will start small and some parts are automated. And the companies like Dennis mentioned, like Netflix, they have a fully automated pipeline where every change after the code has been committed goes automatically to production. But most companies probably don't even want to go automatically to production. So they will have some manual steps. And like we show here in the CI pipeline, and so the build pipeline, the, the CI part, that is where everything is within scope of one team. And then in the CD pipeline, which we also call release pipeline, that is the scope over multiple teams. And there you see the business test stage. And that doesn't mean that business people do the testing. It means that we have tests from a business perspective, so an end-to-end -end perspective, so that maybe end-to-end -end regression tests, for example. And um, in the business test stage, we try to automate as much as possible, but sometimes it's, it's easier or better from a quality perspective to have some people actually doing some manual testing there. Because doing just, uh, suppose you're an insurance company, it may be much easier to just enter one or two new insurance policies in your system manually than to automate the full process. So it is always a choice. How much do you want to spend on your quality engineering? And, and how much uh, uh, yeah, is it worth to automate things? So we state in our book, automate everything as long as it is useful. And, and that's an important uh, thing with it. I, I love that you mentioned that, especially that I have a feeling that in today's times, there is this fetish of automating uh, for wh whatever it takes. And I work in a company that works on medical software devices or hardware devices connected via Bluetooth. And sometimes it's easier to take it in my hands and reconnect the hearing aid with the app and, and test it in that way, than write some kind of special framework to do that for me. So sometimes it's more efficient to do it manually. So I fully agree. I have one more question from Slido and then I, I, I promise we'll go into the quality engineering because I'm really eager to go in that direction and, and, and tackle this issue. Uh, guys, um, oh, sorry, uh, it, okay, here it is. Uh, so, guys, um, uh, what is the definition of done in DevOps? Is there a definition of done? This question is from Alicia. Uh, would you like to have a follow-up on that? Or? Yes, well, I, yeah. uh, I will, uh, you uh, change my question a little bit, but uh, the meaning was, uh, that's right. Is there the definition of done? And when we start, uh, when we know that we end the, this part and start another? Let, shall I start to answer this and then the others can, uh, can uh, step in? But uh, first, a simple yes. Yes, there is a definition of done because in the DevOps culture, we use an agile mindset. And in the agile mindset, the team decides 
when is something done? And so you should have some sort of definition of done. Now, remember from the voice model that I explained, we talked about indicators. And these indicators obviously relate to the definition of done because these indicators show whether we reach the objectives and the definition of done also is a, a way of determining whether you reach your objectives. So the voice model and the definition of done go very much hand in hand. Um, the only thing is for the indicators, we probably will have more indicators than in the definition of done because we also want to have indicators related to the operations part of DevOps, whereas the definition of done focuses on developing new things or changing things. So the definition of done focuses mainly on the dev part and the indicators focus on both dev and ops. Um, so that's my first part of the So uh, they question. include the monitor, monitoring part, indicators, in your opinion? Uh, well, monitoring is the activity that looks at the indicators. So in okay. that sense, the uh, indicators and monitoring go hand in hand. So, but in my definition of done, there is a line about non-functional requirements and metrics are from, for me, non-functional requirements. So if you build a new piece of software uh, or, or a feature, you should think ahead, what kind of metrics do I want to have uh, along with this feature? So in the defini definition of done, I check, uh, are those metrics delivered by the system? And uh, is, is my monitoring system able to capture those new metrics? And those metrics can also be, uh, uh, is somebody clicking on my website? Eh? Or uh, how much uh, HTTP 200 uh, do I have? Or um, yeah, all, that kind of metrics I'm thinking about. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you, Denise. Okay. Okay, thank you. So let's move on to the quality engineering topic, uh, Rick, uh, because your book also focuses uh, about the, the, the quality engineering, engineering um, culture and what's the connection between that and the, and the DevOps movement. So when we started off with this whole uh, thing, then um, one of my observations was that in in testing traditionally, there are some activities that everybody observes, um, but actually a lot of activities uh, are often not mentioned. And um, so when we started off with, with a book, and actually it's not just the book, but also the website that goes with it, uh, tmap.net. Um, so we said, okay, let's make a list of all the relevant activities. And the trouble is, before we knew it, we had a list of like some uh, 50 or more activities. And obviously, that isn't very helpful. So then we started combining uh, activities that are close together. And that led us to uh, describe 20 what we call quality engineering topics or QA and testing topics. And actually, I found it in the meantime. And this is our picture of these quality engineering topics. And we uh, decided that there are two groups of topics. There are organizing topics and performing topics. And 
The general division between organizing and performing is that the organizing topics are across teams, so they apply to multiple teams. Take, for example, the first topic uh, in organizing, which is quality and test policy. Obviously, if you have like 10 or 100 teams, you do not want each and every team to make their own policy. Uh, you want to have one policy for your organization or at least for parts of your organization. So it's overarching multiple teams. Then the performing topics are about the activities that a team must do related to uh, creating software, changing software and maintaining software. So the, the actual operational activities. And some people, uh, especially the people that come from a testing background, they have approached me and they said, okay, so organizing is test management and performing is test engineering. And then I had to, to uh, uh, how do you say that? Uh, uh, well, it, it was sad for them, but that's not the case. Because, for example, the first performing uh, topic, quality risk analysis and test strategy, is typically in, in traditional IT, it would be a test management topic. But it is also a performing topic because it relates to what will we build in this sprint or in, in this situation. Um, because it's a, a test strategy is about how much uh, quality assurance do we need? Where do we put the focus? Um, so the performing topics are within a team and the organizing team topics are across teams. And I must admit, some are a little bit a gray area because, for example, the topics planning and, in, and uh, estimation, they, you, you would like to have an overall approach to planning and estimation so that you can compare estimates. But you do need to do estimation within your team, obviously. So it's not a black and white story. So I hope that gives you at least an overview of these topics. And then maybe there are some topics that we could elaborate on. I think the estimation uh, is something that is of my par particular interest because I'm a, a big fan of uh, not aligning estimates across the organization. Because to me, at least, it doesn't work, right? When you ask two different teams that develop to different parts of the, even the same system, but to different parts of the same system, the, the estimate of the, let's say, story point or whatever kind of estimate we are using will be always different. It's not comparable between these, these, these two. I don't believe in, in, uh, in, um, in uh, these efforts of, I have been in many organizations yeah. that do these efforts, of, of trying to make the estimate comparable. Well, I... I do appreciate your point, Adam, but keep in mind that some organizations are large and they need to apply Agile at scale. So one of the frameworks we mention in our book is the Scaled Agile Framework. And if you work together with like 10 different teams in an Agile release train, you must have some sort of an agreement how to do estimation and planning because in the end, everything needs to come together again. And I agree that if one uh, team is able to do 10 story points in a sprint and the other does 100 story points in a sprint and they deliver the same amount of software, we don't care that much. But 
you need to take the same approach so that on a larger level you can uh, get the information together and know whether the whole will be working. So I, I, does that explain how we look at it? Yes, it explains and it also explains how I explain to myself why my organization also wants to have the same effort, right? Because I, I understand the needs, but I also understand on the basic level the problems that are with, with this, uh, this estimation. And I'm really happy that you are the one that mentioned scaling. How the DevOps scale? the whole DevOps culture, how does it scale to bigger organization? Because when I see your, even the picture that shows only the CI and CD, so it's only like a part of the development process, it's not the whole one, it's, it's like only the part of the process, It this alone includes several activities that normally or typically could be performed by different people in the organization. And the bigger the organization is, the bigger the project is, the bigger the silosing, I don't know if this word uh, exists in yeah. English, but you know, the, the, the making people uh, silosis and uh, making them care only about my own silo uh, is, uh, this is the more the direction when the bigger is the organization and the bigger is the project. So how the DevOps tackle with that? That people still, even in the large project with 200 people working on it in 10 teams, independently how in organization like that you can still have a devops culture where everybody cares about the quality everybody cares about delivery and so on well to, to start answering this and i think dennis and, and berend are definitely going to uh help me answering this but I, i'll start with this picture um when we started off with this uh, uh book we thought about there's actually three groups of IT delivery models. You have the traditional, like waterfall and V model, we call them sequential IT, IT delivery. Then you have what we call high performance IT delivery, which is agile and DevOps. And these work very fine if you have one or two teams in your organization. But if you have a larger organization, you will almost always end up with a hybrid IT delivery model, because the at a low level, and, and then we take the scaled agile framework again as an example, in the scaled agile framework at the lower levels of the so-called safe big picture, it is all high performance IT delivery, like we call it. So teams are doing things, or there are teams that are closely related, work together, and that works fine in an agile or DevOps culture. Um, but if you need to create large-scale applications, eh, like a whole banking system or whatever, then there are some things that need to be organized on a higher level. Um, so therefore, we de distinguish high-performance IT delivery, you might see, say, on the scale of one or a couple of teams, and a hybrid IT delivery on a larger scale. Um, and then your question was, how do you make sure that you still have this culture. Um, partly it is in the way of collaboration and partly it is in the support that teams get in tooling. And maybe Dennis or Berend, you can share some experience you have in, in larger organizations. Berend, you have worked for the tax office. Do you uh, also see some similarities? Mm. 
for that project it's difficult to answer because I was not yeah. in the development team there, but I was more on the top level team uh, thinking about how we should apply uh, these kind of things and to uh, to design it for the other teams. But that's not uh, has no relation with this question. So I think you have more experience. You see more of the yeah. changes than I, than I do. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, maybe let me more, make it more more specific for you guys. So imagine a project that have like uh, ten delivery teams. The project consists the backend, the frontend, so the app that lives somewhere, the backend that lives somewhere, and it uh, has like uh, several modules, large modules. And when you have these ten teams, then maybe team number one and team number two works on the module A, team number three, team number four works on the module B, and so on and so forth. So you have these silos, right? on the team level and on the people level probably even more. I could not imagine in this setup that the developer from team one will be will be able to work on a module that is done by a completely different team. And as I understand from what Rick said, this is not contradictory to the culture because that's something you, that you have to accept in a large organization, right? Right, Denise, for example, as an yeah. architect, you, you probably have some. Yeah. Of course, when I, um, uh, I, I of course uh, recognize your your uh, uh, situation. Uh, what I often organize and to get some uh, recognition over the teams is that we do uh, during your development, you're producing code, uh, and it's pretty normal that you are when you are producing code, you do something like a merge request or a pull request. And then somebody's reviewing, reviewing your code. What we often do, uh, and I work for a few large uh, governmental organizations, uh, that we let our uh, let the review done by another team. So we get some, yeah, do you say uh, cross team? Uh, yeah, cross team review. So they um, we do maintain eh, because uh, code reviewing is. Is, is maintaining your quality yeah, and maintaining that you are uh, using the frameworks in the right manner, that you are using uh, coding standards, that you are applying clean architecture and clean code um, uh, best practices. Uh, so it is maintaining your quality, and but you, you are generating uh, the understandings of team A in team B because you are uh, yeah, sharing your code and that is uh, done in whole team. And But besides that, uh, what we also see in large organizations that there is have what Rick describes is that you see um, that our separate teams are responsible for the end-to-end -end testing. So the, the testing the complete chain. Uh, yeah, the, testing the complete chain. So the individual teams are responsible for delivering their own, now let's say it microservice and they are testing that end-to-end -end, eh, within their own boundaries. Um, and they, they, they are describing their interfaces with with the other services. So they are on their micro level um, uh, independent and uh, and an own DevOps team. But if you see it in the whole in the whole chain, uh, then we have separate teams that are above the smaller DevOps teams, which is which are maintaining the end to end quality. Yes. To put it, I think, uh, in a simple way, you have, we can have two teams that uh, create their own components and they can do it in a, in a agile way, in a DevOps way. But at some point, uh, those components has, have to work together. You can't release one component at time A, the other component a few weeks later, 
or the other way around. Sometimes they have to be released at the same time. So that's the thing when you have to discuss it on a higher level and plan things and uh, yeah, work together. But there's, that has no influence on the development cycle the teams are working in. And they still can work on sprints on an agile way, only uh, when they have to release it and when things have to be finished and which components have to work together. You have to discuss that on a higher level. I'm very happy, Baron, that you mentioned that, that issue because I have a very specific uh, question to you guys. So imagine that you are my consultants and I'm, I have a problem in my project. So um, I have these teams working on the separate components and at some point the components have to talk with each other, right? They have to be integrated. So what would be the solution if I want to apply the DevOps culture in my team? What would be the most efficient solution? So should I create team number three that would integrate these two issues together? Or one of the two teams should take over the integration of the team of the of these components, or how to ensure that the integration will work, right? We are working on on uh, on component A, we are working on component B, but they have to work at the end. So who should take over the integration part of it in the organization that want to apply the DevOps culture, in the organization that want to do it efficiently? That's a serious problem we have. That's, so I'm really interested. What's your, what would be your take on that? Oh, I think it's the same. In, in essence, it's the same question as we started this meetcast with. It's all about the responsibility you take as a team uh, for the product you deliver. And it, it doesn't really matter if it's a small team or on a higher level. It's just feel responsible as a team and do it together. That should be the basics. And of course, you can appoint some individuals to take that responsibility. But in the end, you're working maybe with two or three teams on that. So it's... Yeah, so as I understand your... Yeah? As I understand your answer is that I should ask that question to the teams themselves, right? So not create like a third team that will integrate it. I should ask the teams, guys, What's your take on the integration part? How we should do it? That's your answer, or if I understand correctly? I don't know how to explain this. Uh, no, I can, uh, well, of course I have this problem often and uh, I don't um, put the responsibility at the developers, but I take the responsibility as the architect of the system because I am responsible that uh, that I get the correct data from my uh, supplier, but that I also supply the correct data in a correct format, in a correct way to my uh, that system that is next to me. Um, so in a, in a team at, at a customer, I take the responsibility. Uh, so I am the kind of the glue code between those two teams and I, and responsible for the integration. And on a technical level, we always want to maintain kind of backwards compatibility so that the team A can upgrade a, a component uh, without uh, breaking the, the the integration. But that is more on a technical way. And of course you have technical um, uh, ways to, to cope with integration and to, to be able to upgrade independently. Okay, but still, yeah. I, I still don't know 
who would do the work? I understand that you are responsible. I would even say not only you, the whole teams, all the whole organization is responsible for, for working yeah. at the end. But I just wonder in, in a real setup, uh, how to organize it in the most efficient way, right? What, what would be the, the most efficient direction? Should we like have a layers then layer for module and then on the higher layer the integration or how what, to organize it what i wonder uh, adam is are we in devops striving for the most efficient way because striving for the highest efficiency is typically uh, a goal in a sequential approach where you want to uh, uh, split all the activities to a specialist so that it is most efficient. But we have learned over time that if you try to get that kind of efficiency, the end goal is often lost. And, and therefore, we in DevOps, the goal is deliver business value. And that doesn't mean highest quality or highest efficiency. It means something that works for the clients, for the customers who actually need to work with it. And, and the funny thing with DevOps is, since we work in cycles, you often start with a product that doesn't have a real high quality, but it, it brings some business value. So that's where you start. And then you build on top of that. And if everybody in the team has that focus, then maybe it's not always the most efficient, but over time, it will become more efficient automatically because people try to get the business value in an easy way, because one of the interesting things of, of most developers, and I must say most IT people, because that goes for testers and, and uh, uh, operations people as well, they're, they're basically lazy. So automating tasks, eh, we promote it a lot, and that is because it may be efficient, but also because we hate to do repetitive work. So, so it goes hand in hand, but, but I would not like to put efficiency as a goal because I think you will walk the wrong way then. Well, I agree with that. I mentioned efficiency only because uh, I would prefer people to spend more time on um, on the like developing new features that bring value than like integrating stuff and so on. What at the end yeah. needs to be done, right? At the end, it yeah. needs to be it needs to be done. But at the same time, uh, it's uh, it's not adding value from the perspective of the client, right? Well, it's adding value in a way that it needs to be integrated so I have it, but it's like similar to the documentation. Of course, documentation brings value. Of course, it, it does, because we can uh, then uh, read, the, read the code and understand what is in the code. But at the same time, for client don't care about the documentation, right? As you mentioned before, do yeah. as little documentation as needed, right? People don't yeah, care about documentation. I care yeah, about the I working software. A good thing of DevOps is that in DevOps, the team is responsible for developing an operation, so keeping it running for a long time. And let me use an example from uh, uh, another world, which is the construction world. So in the Netherlands, we have a government uh, body that is responsible for having highways created. And Traditionally, they would find a construction company and they build the highway. And then often after a year or after five years, there would be problems, uh, things would fall apart, whatever. 
So now the government body, they ask construction companies to maintain a highway for 25 years. And that means starting with building the highway. But the, the building company already knows they have to maintain it for 25 years. So they will not cut any corners when building it because they themselves will have the problem. And that's also what happens in DevOps because traditionally we had dev teams and the dev team was always asked to deliver uh, on time. So they built crap and then threw it over the wall and then operations had a big problem. And now they are together in one team and by automatically they have a more drive to build quality that lasts. And in the end, that also delivers more business value. I love the, the the metaphor you use that throwing over the wall, right? I think that's that's also something core in the DevOps that when you have the development and operations together, then it's not like okay, I have delivered it, it has a lot of bugs, but let's the guys from the operation tackle it on the production, right? The I don't know the leaks of memory, uh, server constantly crashing, but I don't care. The, the the operations will take care of it, right? Here, everybody the, the the team is responsible for it, so you have to also take care of the of the quality of the of the of the solution so i really like that metaphor uh, thank you guys um, for this um, i have one more question on slide but before i will go in that uh, i think we are sh sh short on time uh, i have one question from myself um, and it's after reading the chapters uh, 46 and 47 it's about the, the direction in which we should go with how the team operates. Um, and it's about this um, testing as a separate uh, step in the line, right? So we have uh, a testing as a separate phase somewhere. It was even on the picture uh, from the CI and CD, right? There was a testing as a, as a, as a phase in the, in the whole process. Uh, vice uh, testing because we are curious and testing because we need very specific feedback. So when I have read it, I understand it in a way that uh, the testing uh, as, a, as a checking if something was developed correct way, like, uh, I don't know, like a teacher checking the paper from, the, from his pupil, right? So uh, that's, uh, that's the current way of working in most organizations, that you have a developer developing something, he's giving the, his work to the tester, and tester is checking, mm, okay, that, that's fine, you have an A, right? Or no, it's not an A because you have these defects here, right? And as I understand this, this, this sentence, it should work the other way around. So the developers should check their own work, test the, their own work before giving it further, Right? Maybe they should implement so, some unit tests, some automated tests for, for, for that. And the tester is not included in that part. He might coach the, the developer, but he's not actively like testing his, his software. The tester is focusing on, on, um, on um, uh, testing the things that we don't know yet, on checking some corner cases, some specific scenarios, on exploring the application. Yeah. Uh, is this understanding uh, correct, right? And if yes, then could you elaborate on how you would imagine it works, this, this cooperation between developer and tester? Well, the first answer is yes, you are right. And so, and then in a DevOps team, it is a, uh, a joint responsibility to deliver quality. So uh, uh, everybody plays uh, her or his part in ensuring that we have the quality level that we need. Not too much quality, but also not too little quality. 
And like you said, there are stages in the pipeline. I'm showing the pipeline picture again. We, we have the team test stage and the business test stage. But in these stages, it may be that everything is automated. Eh? So all tests are automated. And automating the tests, like, like Berend mentioned earlier on, is something that, for example, developers are very good at eh? because they can write the automation scripts Um, and like you just mentioned, uh, somebody with a strong quality and testing background can coach the rest of the team in what are proper actions to deliver quality. And what we try to get away with is the idea that the tester is some sort of a judge who uh, makes an assessment whether the quality is good enough, but the tester is more of a coach within the team to together build the quality level that we need. And um, so the, it's, and therefore it's becoming more of a collaboration uh, than the typical old fashioned over the wall situation. Great, thank you for that trick. Uh, I'm also interested about opinion on that from uh, Berend as a developer, uh, because the, that's, uh, how, how, how do you feel about um, testing and learning testing? Because uh, I believe developers don't pay too much attention to, to the different techniques like uh, equivalence partitioning or boundary value testing, right? They, they don't learn themselves about techniques. We do because that's our basic job, but developers don't. And, and if we say that, maybe I'm wrong, but, but I believe that they don't focus too much on these testing techniques. And if we go into the direction which Rick described, uh, that the, the developer is responsible for the quality, he should do that, right? He should be probably coached by the tester or maybe read some books about uh, testing. How do you feel about that as a developer? Uh, I, I'm question, pointing you with a stick right now, right? <laughs> uh, um, as a developer, the first thing I would ask myself, what's in it for me? because uh, there is something in it for me. As I told before, uh, if the quality is good, I can focus on the things I want. So if I help with testing, if I can test myself, uh, it helps me to do the things I want to do. So there is a benefit in it for me. That should be enough, I think, next to the that I want to deliver quality. Uh, does that answer the question? I was thinking in an, uh, in another direction. Uh, I thought this question would go in another direction. So I was prepared. What I, what I, want, to, what yeah. I want to add is that I think that it benefits developers if they get uh, more knowledge on how the how they can design tests, uh, like equivalent, uh, equivalent uh, um, uh, tests or uh, other test types. And that's also what we learn them uh, in our courses, in the new courses we have designed. We teach also developers some test techniques because we can uh, improve our unit testing uh, um, and, and a way to, to test those. Uh, and we also describe it in our book. And a way to test those unit tests is, is to applying mutation testing uh, and then um, test design techniques become more and more important because uh, mutation testing will um, show to the to, to the outside world that you uh, that your tests are not complete. So, but I think it is really important that more developers learn test design techniques. Thank you so guys. also chapter forty six and forty seven.
Thank you, guys. And goods that I have it on the tape that the, the uh, developer and the architect are saying that test developers should learn about test. I will uh, put that recording later on to my developer team <laughs> in my organization and show that architects and developers say that you guys should test and you should learn testing. That's good. I have it on the tape. As for closing of today meetup, uh, guys, uh, any last words from you? Maybe one after another, Rick, Baron, and uh, then uh, Dennis, uh, about uh, your book, about today's topic, just to summarize and send a message to the world from you guys, starting with you, Rick. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, listening in. And my simple uh, uh, advice is work together with people on quality and uh, know that quality engineering together is the way to deliver business value. Thank you, Rick. Baron? Yes, thank you for listening and watching. And start to invest in your team uh, to deliver the right quality on time. As it is the core of DevOps culture. Thank you for that, Baron. And Dennis? Uh, yeah, also, uh, thank you for having us. Uh, first, I want to say uh, developers should also learn test design techniques, one. Uh, and I think that we, uh, that development teams should more see the value of continuous feedback so they can also improve themselves. Great. Dennis, I will print out the chapters 46 and 47 and post it on the walls next to the developers. Uh, I, if they will ask what I'm doing, I will say, ask Dennis. Here is his LinkedIn. Ask him and, and he will guide you. <laughs> today. Okay, that's, that's good. Uh, let them come. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for being here, for um, uh, for uh, spending your time with us, right? You, you, you invested your time into this discussion, but I think it was really valuable, uh, especially for me. Uh, I'm very happy with it because I I believe that I knew what DevOps is. And I think after today, I, I know even more. It changed a little bit. It evolved in my in my head. And also you gave me some insight about how to implement that culture more into my organization. Uh, so that's uh, a great value for me. And I believe it's also a great value for all of the uh, listeners. I would also like to thank all of the listeners today. So people that were live here with us, um, there will be, uh, I hope, more, much more people also on the podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and so on. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, spending your evening uh, in uh, in case of uh, sorry spending her night uh, with us uh, you could be anywhere you could go for a beer you could spend time with your friends but why go there if you could be with us on that yeah. awesome midcast <laughs> thank you for that guys bye thank you very much adam yeah, and thank thanks you all very much for your time.